How about now? Wow. That's better. <laughs> Good morning. Good to see each one of you here this morning. And for those of you that have tuned in, we're glad that you're with us as well. I have a question for you this morning as we begin. If you could be any kind of a tree, what kind of tree would you be? If you could be any kind of tree, what kind of tree would you be? I've tried this question out on a few people already uh, prior to today, and I got some very interesting responses. Uh, one person told me after a lot of thought that they would like to be a maple tree because they said the fruit trees, even though they're pretty, are prone to disease, but maple trees are resistant to a lot of diseases, apparently, and uh, they said they'd like to be a maple, maple tree. Personally, I thought about maybe being a giant sequoia or a redwood, something majestic like that. Uh, maybe, maybe you thought about that too. The most interesting response I think I got from someone was said they'd like to be a Christmas tree because a Christmas tree is the center of attention for an entire month and they get to dress up real pretty and look really good. So they thought they'd be a Christmas tree. Our text today suggests a kind of tree that we can be and it pictures for us life as a tree. And then it tells us how we can become that kind of tree. If you would, uh, I would like to read Psalm 1 at this point. If you have a Bible handy, you may want to turn there. Hopefully this is a familiar passage of Scripture to you. It goes like this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on God's law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, for they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This psalm begins with the beatitude. Blessed is the one. It's not a song, not a prayer, not a hymn, but a beatitude. And the dictionary tells us that a beatitude is a noun that refers to a state of great joy. You'll recall in Matthew's Gospel and uh, Luke's as well, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke in beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. You know the rest. All beatitudes beginning with the word blessed or blessed. Now, if you were to read the first verse of Psalm 1 in Hebrew, or if you looked it up in a, uh, the authorized version, anyone have a copy of the King James still handy? You would know that the word is, is not in the original text. The same is true with Matthew's uh, Beatitudes. The word are is not present. In the King James, the word is appears in italic or sloping type. 
And when a word appears in italic type in your Bible, it means that that word is not in the original text. It's not in the original language, in this case, Hebrew. There's no equivalent word. And that word that is in italics was added to bring out the meaning of the sentence in English. So if the word is isn't in the sentence, how do we understand and translate this verse? Well, this is where an understanding of Hebrew can help us. Now stay with me here. Hebrew has a very common expression. In fact, it's common in the Old Testament. And in fact, it's an exclamation. And the word means, oh, the blessedness of. Oh, the blessedness of. The word in Hebrew is asherah, and it's very common in the Old Testament. It's the very first word in Psalm 1-1. Oh, the blessedness of. Now, why do I tell you all that? It's important because it means that the Beatitudes, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, are not simple statements, they're exclamations. It's important because it means that the beatitude of Psalm 1 is not some pious hope of what one day may be, but instead it is a congratulations on what already is. This blessedness which belongs to the one who follows God's law, God's Torah, is not a blessedness postponed to some future state of glory, it is a blessedness that exists here and now. It's not something into which the righteous will enter. It is something into which he or she has entered. Now, to be sure, it will find its fullness and its completion, its consummation in the presence of God. But for all that, it is a present reality to be enjoyed here and now. Oh, the blessedness of the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. This opening psalm invites us to read the entire book of Psalms as if it is a guide to the blessed life. And right here, right up front, it tells us how we can have such a life. The Beatitude formula says, blessed is the one followed by a word or a clause that identifies a kind of character or conduct. And in this case, in Psalm 1, it says the blessedness is the result of two paths of conduct. The blessed ones are those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on it day and night. The first action of the blessed is to delight in the law of the Lord. I think we all know what it means to delight in something. Have you ever seen grandparents with their grandchildren? It's always a delightful scene. We all know what it means to delight in something. But what exactly is the law of the Lord? The phrase the law of the Lord is one word in Hebrew. It is the word Torah. It's the same word that's used to describe the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament, and it is best translated as the word instruction. 
Now, it's far more than just rules and regulations. It encompasses all of God's instruction and teaching. The Old Testament scholar James Mays says, Torah is the medium from which one can learn the way and the will of the Lord and store up that meaning in one's heart so that it shapes the structure of consciousness. This is the reason why the Torah is a cause of delight. Not because it's material for some program of self-justification, but because God reaches and touches and shapes human hearts through it. Delighting in the law of the Lord, then, is one of the actions commended by Psalm 1. Those who do so are identified finally for us in verse 6 as the righteous. The righteous delight in the law. Note that it doesn't say obey. The way to blessedness, according to Psalm 1, is through delight rather than obedience. Now to be sure, obedience is always on the back burner. But here in this strategically placed psalm, the emphasis is clearly on delighting in God's word. And that makes perfect sense because if the final goal is Psalm 150, then the only path can be the path of delight. Do you know Psalm 150, the very last psalm? As you read through the psalms and you get to about Psalm 146, the pace picks up. And by the time you get to Psalm 150, you are out of breath. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, the blessedness. Pure, unbounded worship. Oh, the blessedness. The second action or path of conduct taken by the blessed in Psalm 1 is that of meditating on God's instruction day and night. This commended conduct of constant reflective meditation of God's law grows out of a delight in it and concern for it. Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Simply put, whatever is important to you, whatever is important to you, you will spend time thinking about and spend energy on. If you delight in the law of the Lord, you will meditate on it day and night. Now the word meditate in Hebrew here I find to be most interesting and informative. The Hebrew word is haga. It's kind of fun to say, haga. And like a lot of Hebrew words, 
It has a very wide range of meaning. Someone once said that Hebrew words are like an overstuffed suitcase. <laughs> they carry, try to carry a, a lot of meaning. And this is certainly the case with Haggah. Listen to what it means. It can mean to moan, to mutter, to muse, to coo like a dove, or growl. That last meaning, to growl, I think is particularly apt. Have you ever watched a dog gnaw on a bone? We've had several dogs over the years and seems to be one of the things they really love to do is get a good old bone and gnaw on the bone. Well, if you've ever watched a dog gnaw on a bone, you certainly don't want to try to take it from them. But you may also observe that the dog makes certain noises when it's gnawing on the bone. It growls. But it's not a growl of anger. It's not mad. It's growling because it is deeply satisfied. And that is the picture here of meditating on God's word, thoroughly engaging with it, digging into it, sinking your teeth into it, into God's law, God's instruction. Oh, the blessedness of the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it when? Day and night. In other words, continually. In your everyday walking around life, as pictured for us in the rest of the book of the Psalms. The book of the Psalms, written by numerous poets and authors over a long period of time until it came into its final form about the third century BC and was used as a type of hymnal in temple worship, gives us pictures of what it looks like to delight and meditate on God's instruction day and night. The individual Psalms, in their vast array of moods, show to us what it means to meditate on Torah, what it looks like. Now, if you pick up any scholarly book or a good commentary, you'll discover and read how biblical studies classify individual psalms into various types and genres. I would like to offer you a somewhat simpler approach that divides most of the psalms into four types or categories. This is not meant as an academic exercise, but as a way to better help you meditate on and gnaw on and growl over God's instruction. The first category of Psalms, and by far the most numerous in all of the Psalter, is a prayer for help. Help. It's something that we sometimes say to God and often say to each other. 
O Lord, Psalm 3 says, O Lord, how many are my foes, how many rise up against me. To you, O Lord, I cry aloud for help, and you answer me. Many of the Psalms, as you read them, begin with just two little words, O Lord, or O God. Do you ever pray like that? I do sometimes. Sometimes it's all we can get out. Sometimes it's all we can say. Oh, God. And that's okay. You see, prayer doesn't require words. And God understands even our groanings. Sometimes we feel less desperate whether or not the situation really is or isn't. And we find in the Psalms another way of speaking to God and engaging with his instructions by saying the words, I trust you. I trust you. This is the second type of Psalm. Psalm 23 is a great example. This familiar psalm belongs to the type of context in life when one is walking through a deep canyon characterized by a deathly shadow, when one is surrounded by one's enemies. And in that context, the author of this psalm remembers the teaching of Torah that God will always protect and deliver. And so he writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The author is saying, I trust you, Lord. A third type of psalm and another way of speaking to God and to other people even is to say you are great has anyone ever said that to you you are great Psalm 8 begins this way Yahweh our God how mighty how majestic is your name in all the earth while the technical English word for the book of Psalms is the Psalter, in Hebrew it's actually the word telahim, which means praises. In praise Psalms, we are acknowledging God's power and faithfulness, facts about God that are truths, no matter what our current situation may be, no matter what our feelings, no matter what our experiences. Torah tells us that God's power and faithfulness can be seen in the great things he has done in creation, in freeing Israel from servitude in Egypt, and in bringing Israel into the promised land. And Christians join in such praise and add praise for what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And the, the proper response to all this is to say, God you are great. 
The fourth and final type of psalm is one that says, thank you. Thank you. When God or another person takes action to deal with our situation, the natural response is to say to God and to one another, thank you. Listen to Psalm 30. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you, gave, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Thank you, God. These four types of psalms taken together form for us a model of what it looks like to delight in God's instruction and to meditate on it day and night. I don't know what you say to God, how you interact with God and his purposes and his instruction in your life. But I would humbly suggest to you that you learn to use the language of the Psalms and when appropriate, say from your heart, help, I trust you, you are great, thank you. Psalm 1 says that if you delight in God's instruction and meditate on it regularly, you will be transformed by it. You will become like something. Delighting and meditating will produce something. You will become like a tree. Probably not the tree you thought of at the beginning of my sermon, but a tree nonetheless. And the psalmist gives us three images of this same tree. The first image is a picture of security. The tree is secure because it is planted by streams of water. It is connected to the source of life, water. Matthew earlier put the roots of this tomato plant in water. It's so essential, isn't it? Without the water, what happens to that tomato plant? It will shrivel up and no doubt die and never produce fruit. The first image we have here of the one who delights in the law and meditates on it day and night is a picture of security. If you delight in God's law and meditate on it day and night, you will be connected to the source of life and you will be secure. The second image is an image of fruitfulness. If you delight in the word of God and meditate it on it day and night, you will real, uh, yield fruit, it says, in season. You will be a fruitful person. Oh, for more fruitful people. You know them. 
They're refreshing and nourishing to be around. You go away from them feeling like you've been fed. You go away strengthened. You go away with your taste for spiritual things awakened. Their mouth is a fountain of life. Their words heal and convict and encourage. They are deepening and enlightening words. Being around them is like enjoying a meal. And this is the effect of delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. You will yield fruit in season. The last and final image of this tree is an image of durability. The third illustration of your blessing, if you delight in the word of God and meditate on it day and night, is that it says your leaf does not wither. The point here is that when the hot winds of life are blowing and the rain is not falling and all the other trees that are not planted by the streams of water are withering and dying, in spite of all that heat and drought, your leaf remains green because delighting in God's word and meditating on it day and night is like being planted by a stream. The joy of this person, the blessedness of this one, is durable. It's deep. It does not depend on which way the wind is blowing or whether the rain is falling or not because it gets its life from an absolutely changeless source, God and God's word. I began by asking you what kind of tree you would like to be. I ask again, what kind of tree will you be? Let us pray.